0: Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host Matt Michaels.
1: Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the Future Stars of Wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, happy New Year. How's it going so far? Well, oh, by humbug. <laughs> I don't know if that's – is that the first time anyone's bah humbugged the new year? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, uh, you know, it, it is what it is.
0: It's it's back to work. You know, there's – you know, not that we had off. We, we ran a show Christmas week, and we ran the show New Year's Eve night. So, you know, and now it's, you know, heading into 2022. You know, had a big main event signed with Hammerstone and uh, Toa. And then I just got the call from Toa that he ain't going to be able to make it because uh, knock-knock, AEW's at the door, and they need him to come in for the taping the day after. So I'm like, hey, can you see if they maybe will bring you in the day of the show instead of the day before the show? But because of everything, COVID protocols, all this other stuff, now all of a sudden they need people to be in a little earlier, so... It was kind of a, uh, you know, I didn't have his number saved, so it was a California call. And it's like, you just started wrestling. Can I help you? And then it was like it was him. Oh, and it man. was like, oh.
1: that's uh, That's got to be one of the uh, the worst feelings of getting that type of call. Um, you've had to deal with it in the past as well, and, and you know that the business is – just designed that way where an opportunity happens for a bigger company. Guys are going to go take that opportunity as well as they should. But for you, how much of a scramble mode does it make? Obviously the shows on the 14th were, uh, you know, 10 days away, essentially. Um, does that kind of, because this also on the 14th is in a little bit of a way starting to lead towards the Mecca show. Um, does that cause any conflict in your uh, decision-making in terms of where you're going with things when something like this happens?
0: Well, it's, it's fine moving forward, knowing his schedule. It's like, okay, well now we need to make sure AEW is not taping that weekend in February, you know, right, right now, regardless of everything I have Toko Uso penciled in, in a tag match at at the Mecca to defend the title. The question is, are we bringing anybody in? Or, you know, is is it death proof again? Is it Shogun and Hero? You know, is it the Briscoes? You know, you you have your wish list and and you go down it and you contact people. And then like today, I got a contact back on uh, Braun Strowman's agent and... You know, no singles, only wants to do a tag or a meet and greet, and wants more than the entire budget of the Mecca times two. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, we'll uh, pass on that one. Oh, man. Uh, you know, he made the inklings toward Hammerstone on Twitter, so I figured I'd reach out. You know, good promoter is going to reach out, but, you know, unfortunately, uh, that's not what he's looking for, so...
1: You know, and when you look at um, a guy like Strowman and that possibility of a whole bunch of names out there right now in terms of people who could fit into the Mecca, uh, does that become an issue for you when you have so much talent in your own company, so much talent on the outside available? How the hell do you A, plan a card and B, budget the card uh to make sure that you're not extending you know your budget too much so that you still are able to run a you know fairly profitable or at least a show that doesn't go into the red.
0: Well, fortunately we have a lot of great talent and not great local talent. Great talent like the Vandegrifts and the Jay Vidals and the Damian Drake's and the Funny Bones and Remy and Cody. And all these guys that you could put on a Mecca show that, you know, you're not just using some local yokel guy, you know, and then you mix it in, you know, Hammerstone's already a star. Chris Bay is already a star, but they're FSW guys. So it isn't bringing that guy in. It's looking at a Willie Mack who lives locally, TJP, who we just confirmed for the show. He lives locally. Uh, you know, I've hit up, uh, Bateman and Danny Limelight and, you know, put a feeler out for Jacob Fatu, you know, I'd love to see Jacob and killer cross, you know, to me, you know, looking at everything and, and cost wise, sure. You could bring in an ex WWE guy for shit tons of money, but. What's the internet vibe? I, I, I think a Cross Jacob Fatou match, you know, has mo- a lot more value. And as I said, you know, I was very impressed with Big Cass, Morrissey, and Impact. And, you know, we talked about maybe doing something in Atlantic City. And being an East Coast guy, I think Cross and a Morrissey in Atlantic City would be a much bigger draw than them in Vegas. Sure. Same thing with Matt Cardona. You know, he's got that East Coast love going on. That could be a nice little FSW, GCW type thing uh, that's there. So it's kind of a good situation and a bad situation. You know, I've penciled in stuff. You know, Jay Lethal was set. He signs with AEW, and now they have this thing where guys that are regulars on their show, they don't want them working – other events on a Friday night, whether they're on the show or not, which obviously they're paying them extremely well and they have a right to do that. But I'm not sure that if Jay lethal's on my show, it has anything to do with if he's even appearing on rampage that day. Right. You know, we all know everything's taped. We all know this stuff. It's, if you have a contract that you're free to work other dates, well, the only two dates that you have a great shot of being booked on are Fridays and Saturdays. And if now you say, well, you can't get booked on Fridays. Well, how much money does that take away? You know, 52 weeks a year, even 20 bookings at the type yeah. of money they're making. You know, we're not talking about, you know, an indie guy who's working for 50 or 75 bucks. Yeah. You know, we're talking, you know, in the thousands of dollars,
1: you know, on a frequent basis. Do you do you know if, um, oh, a guy like Jay Lethal, having his reputation and his uh, you know uh, experience, the contract that he would sign as opposed to someone like uh, a Joey Janela or, or Sonny Kiss. Are those guys, have you found out if those guys are more flexible in terms of their availability? Because you, you brought up a good point, and that is, even if they don't appear on TV, they're still engaging them to be at TV. And I just wonder if that goes down the line to you know, guys who might not get any exposure on the shows, per se, if they're able to do weekend bookings.
0: Well, we have Casey Navarro booked, for example, on the Mecca. And Casey's a guy who shows up on AEW Dark, and he, and he's had a good amount of appearances. Uh, as of right now, Brian Cage is booked for the Mecca, and he hasn't been utilized, I think, once in the last four months he's been out there yeah. for the teams. So... I think it's more the regular guys, but everybody has a different contract. When they signed early on, a guy like Jungle Boy wasn't allowed to work anywhere else. Right. While John Oxley could do whatever he wants to do.
1: Yeah. That's an interesting dynamic, and, and it's cool to see how you're going to fill out that card. Um, but we just had a great show on New Year's Eve. Um One hell of an entertaining show. Uh, Let's just start with that first match. Jay Vidal finally gets some gold at FSW. Uh, You know, it's just just so cool to see how he's grown. Uh, The match with Bay was very solid. And it seems like that is um, a match that if people watch that now we're going to potentially see those two down the line on a big show like Impact or AEW potentially going against each other again. Did you think the match came off exactly how you intended it to? And uh, what did you think about uh, the performance that both guys put in? Uh, Was it up to the standards that you thought it was going to be? in terms of Jay getting the title?
0: Well, the funny thing is that on the sheet, you know, that we have, we didn't say who was going to win the match. And when Chris Bay won his first title in FSW with Nino Black and they won the tag belts, I don't remember this, but they both seemed to say that it was true that nobody told them they were winning the belt. So they hit the move where they were supposed to kick out the whirlwind gentleman, whether it was Remy or Jack, I don't remember, but they didn't. And it gave that spontaneity. Right. Well, you know, the same thing happened when we were discussing uh, Bay. Yeah, He had mentioned it to me a few months ago. He's like, I don't want Jay to know that he's winning the match. I'm like, okay. But, you know, you have to tell some people. So, you know, I tell my son, who tells Mikey. And then I guess at the Impact tapings, people were all talking about, you know, Jay Vidal is going to win the No Limits title. As Bay hits me up like, bro, what are you doing? I thought you were going to keep it. Spirit. I'm like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, okay, well, I really know nothing of it. So we kept a low profile about it all week. And the day before the show, Jay's like, you know, what are the plans for tomorrow? I'm like, well, we're still working everything out. You know, we'll we'll talk with Bay tomorrow, see what he thinks. So at that point, I kind of stepped away. And I let Chris, you know, dictate what was going to happen. And... Chris came up to me and basically said, Jay has no idea of what's going to happen. And, you know, you could see after the match the genuine emotion of tears. Yeah. That by because he thought he was getting rolled up. <laughs> and this feud was going to continue. You know, he was not privy to the fact that he was going to win. So his response was, you know, not good acting. It was it was reality, you know. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it came off very well. Um, you could, and and anyone, if you want to go take a watch of the New Year's Eve show, go to the FSW Network, six ninety nine a month. Um, you could just see on on the screen just his, like you said, just that pure emotion just coming through. Um, and then on top of that, you had Jake being the uh, the color commentator for the Iron Man match, and I think the uh, match before that as well. So J- Jay put in some good work uh, on New Year's Eve. Yes, he did, you know, I
0: really did not want to fly solo on a 60 minute Iron
1: Man <laughs> match.
0: You know, I don't want to fly solo on a six minute match, you know what I mean? So it's like you know, there's only so much you can say when you don't have somebody to bounce off of. So, you know, I know Bay had other ideas of what he was going to do with his night. So I know he wasn't sticking around till midnight, which, you know, I would have had him do it, you know, I could have had Cody do it, but it was like, you know what, let's get the no limits champion in there. You know, Vandergriff and Damian Drake are two guys that, you know, Jay Vidal is probably going to wrestle a lot of matches
1: with or against, you know, for yeah. a long time coming. Yeah, and he knows them very well because of the, all the training that the guys have done together. Um And I thought it was a, a, brush, a breath of fresh air uh to hear his take on things and you guys played off each other very well uh the same with uh ricky ricky tenacious has been doing a fabulous job and learning how to commentate um and again another guy who pulled double duty um being involved in the uh the th- three-man or six-man tag match um speaking of that tag match did that come off how you wanted it to with uh You know, Brett the Threat getting a chance to uh, attack Bodie in front of Bodie's mom. That, I thought, was really brilliant.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I wish I could, uh, you know, take credit for that. But, you know, that was on Brett. You know, he's a little hot-headed at times. And, you know, even though Bodie didn't get the pin... You know, he was the one who was around after the match, hugging his mom, it's New Year's Eve, you know, a nice little moment that we can have. And then all of a sudden, you know, Brett hit him that I thought he was going to slam into his mom and knock her down. And it was like, oh, boy, here comes a lawsuit. You know, She smacks her head against the back of the railing of the bleachers or something. Like, what the
1: fuck are you doing? You know? Uh, but it was it was great. It was it was uh, thank God nothing physically happened to her. But um, just it's just a wonderful moment that I truly honestly got to say, I did not see that coming. Um, and it was it was fun. Uh, and I'm sure those two are going to have a, a little bit of a, a showdown over the next uh, few months, which is exciting because you talk about two you know Bodie being as young as he is and Brett being as mature as he is for you know being uh, as new to the business as he is it's just nice magic seeing those two kind of cross paths um so the uh, the Iron Man match uh what what were your feelings on the match cuz i thought that the story that was told was Really fluid. It did not... And this, this might be credit of you and Jay. This might be credit of how they laid out the match. But it did not feel like it was tedious watching the match. I think I even was surprised that it, it felt like I only watched a 20-minute match. It was really good.
0: Yeah, that, that, that was the one thing that really did surprise me. That it was like, okay, we're 15, 20 minutes in. And they got off to a slow pace. And... You know, which is understandable. They're going 60 minutes. But the time kind of just flowed through, you know. It was like, oh, shit, we're like 30 minutes in already. And then it was like, oh, we're at 45 minutes. And it was like, wow. You know, it seemed like, you know, I don't know if the fans would have enjoyed it, but it could have went another 30 minutes. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, the, you know, there was enough intrigue. You know, I, I think the things were laid out pretty good there was some things that I didn't care for you know uh, in the match and a couple things after the match you know it, it was a blood feud and everything about the match was good there's just little certain things with the you know the way the pinfalls happen or disqualifications and things like that yeah that I think they could have been uh, utilized a little better. You know, I'm okay with how some of the things went,
1: but I think they could have been improved upon. Sure. And I think that's a that's a valid critique. Um, it, you know, it's coming off of uh, the cage match, which was just brutal as hell. It's hard to, I think, live up to that expectation that they already set. And I think that they met the expectation. Um, and like you said, just for maybe tweaks here and there, um, it really was a good a good showing. And I think that in the end, you know, I knew that there were talks of Matt, uh, you know, kind of seeing where he's going from here as he's getting booked more and more. So it was really nice to see them get their chance to do something that a lot of the guys don't get to do. Was, who was the, um, the guiding force on laying out the match? Was it, uh, did they go to Sin with that, or uh, was it Remy and Cody? Who, who helped them formulate it?
0: I think the majority of the stuff was formulated by themselves. <laughs> you know, I know they were working with Sin. And they've worked with Sin a lot recently. So I'm going to say he had a hand in it. And Matt actually did, you know, during training, you know, a 60-minute match with Sin Bodie. So, you know, they kind of put together the ideas. Then they came to me, and I kind of told them, you know, the way I wanted it structured, you know. And and they kind of changed it a little, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bitch about it. You know, as I always say, if it gets to the point where the way I want it to be, those little twerks and, and tweaks in between, you know, doesn't bother me at all. You know, they have to feel the match. You know, they're the only two guys on the roster that could have had that match at that time that the fans would have cared about. Yeah. It's possible Jay Vidal and Gregory Sharp could have had that match, but I'm not positive just based on the dynamic of them two, where it's more of Sharp trying to kill Jay Vidal. You you know what I mean? Yeah. And even though it became maybe one of the best feuds of the year, Matt and Brett and Damian Drake were – you know, best friends, they were tag champs. This all came out of the blue. And in reality, you know, we put this together in about three months, Yeah. you know, that it became one of the biggest feuds of the year yet they were tag team partners up until, you know, June, August, you know, anniversary show. You know, TJ worked Matt Vandegrift. And at the August show at Diversion, Damian Drake just came back. Right. So it was after that when they had the match. So I guess that was in September yeah. that the unguided wrestled Death Proof. So October, November, end of December. So within three months, we we got the turn from Matt Vandegrift and a steel cage match and a 60-minute Iron Man match. Yeah. So we sure got a lot of mileage out of that feud in an amazingly short time. And you got to give all those guys all the credit in the world because usually, especially with me, I like to build things and stretch it out. You know, on the other hand, look at Ice Williams and Chris Bay. All right. You know, that was, that was a year in the making till we got to the steel cage match. You know?
1: when you uh, when you look at something like that steel cage matches versus an iron man match um what is the the logic behind making sure that um, let's say the Iron Man match wasn't done before the steel cage match um how do you put a value on these? gimmick-type matches so that they're not basically eliminating each other. So, you know, fans aren't basically going, well, we already saw them do an Iron Man match. Why do we need to see them in a cage? How is that for you to find that structure, especially in such a short period of time?
0: Well, it was utilizing other factors. It was like, okay, so in the steel cage match, there was a moment where Damian Drake could have won the match. Damian Drake climbed up to the top of the cage and chose to go back in and inflict more damage to Matt Vandergriff after what he had done to him. And in the end, it cost Damian Drake to where Matt Vandergriff wins. Okay, well Matt Vandergriff wins. In reality, that should end the feud. Well, then we go to Limitless where Trey Miguel not eligible to be in the tournament. He wrestles a match against Matt Vandergriff. great back and forth match. Matt loses. Uh, and then throughout the tournament, you know, Damian Drake wins the first round match and then goes through the elimination and defeats Davey Richards. And now, despite the fact that Matt Vandergriff has the victory over Damian Drake, all of a sudden Damian Drake is ahead of Matt Vandergriff again because of the fact that he wins the limitless tournament. Yeah. So, he wins the tournament, Matt's backstage, and, you know, he can't believe that even though he beat this guy, that this guy is being put on a higher pedestal than him. So he's trying to bring him back down again, and he breaks the trophy over the back of Damian Drake. Well, now what are we going to do? We just had a steel cage match. We can't have another steel (laughs) cage. The Cage to sell it at all. You know what I mean? You can't do that. So it's like, well, what do you have? Last man standing. Well, It's no different than no DQ. It's a boring match. It's the same match. Right. You know, we jokingly had, you know, false count anywhere. No DQ. Last man standing. When we did like our auction one time. And it was like, it is exactly the same match. It's just said something different. So what's the match that's going to go out there and differentiate who the better man is? Well, wrestle for 60 minutes. See who comes out on top. You know, the winner there, you know, there can't be any excuses. Right. And, you know, I had that idea. They had that idea. So when it was brought up about New Year's Eve, then I put together, like, we have to start right at 11 p.m. And basically, we ring in the new year with the bell, which is exactly what we did. Yeah, And finish came off great because it was 30 seconds to go, which now allowed people to digest, Damian Drake's going to win. We're down to 20 seconds. Is Matt Vandergriff going to pop up? No. And then we were able to do the countdown from 10 to zero, and it was Happy New Year. Yeah, And, and you know, it was a great way to not only end the night, but to end the 2021 year for FSW, you know? And it's like, I wish, of course, that we had more fans there. You know, we had a decent crowd, but there's a lot of the regulars who chose not to go out that late, chose to go other places. You know, it's New Year's Eve, you know? We normally have, you know, a few things to compete with when it comes to the Vegas nightlife. But, you know, New Year's Eve is the biggest year in Las Vegas that, as much as they love FSW, a lot of them are going to choose to maybe watch it later on the network.
1: Yeah. Oh, and speaking, I'm glad you said that. And one of the things I was really excited to see is when I logged on to start watching – um there were over i think at that point at the beginning of the show over like 150 uh viewers watching um which was you know impressive to see on like you said a new year's eve you had eyes that were tuning in to see it how does that make you feel when you see that the reception of SF- fsw is now growing to that bigger base um, does that make you a little more confident to think that when you run something in the East Coast that you're going to be able to not start at point .0, but start at, you know, a, decent, um, a potential of a decent amount of fans showing up for a show just because of the exposure you're getting on the Internet?
0: Well, that's interesting that you say because I was always curious, like, how many people were actually watching from the network. And I never knew that there was a way I'm, I'm, I'm shocked to know that you could see how many viewers are on there. Yeah. I I have no idea because we're, you know, I'm, I'm calling it live. I'm not watching through the network. So I was never under the impression that there was a counter that was showing the views. Like I know on Twitch, you know, when we were on Twitch, it would show, you know, X amount of, of viewers in and out, Facebook live, same thing. But on the network, I had no knowledge of that. And I'm guessing I'm gonna have to hit up Ben and say, Hey, you know, what are some of these numbers? Because when we look back at it, we, we get a edited down version of last night's show. Right. And then we go to watch it. So it doesn't show any of that information. You know, it, it's great to know, You know, the fact of the matter is we started the show at 1230 a.m. East Coast time. Right. So readers and our East Coast fans that want to tune in, they didn't miss out on New Year's. You know, they got to watch it live. And if you saw on the Twitter, you know, besides having, you know, the effect that Chris Bay is on the show, there was a lot of people that were intrigued about a Iron Man match yeah. you know there's far and few in between, you know, <clears throat> we've done one Iron Man match before this in twelve years, yeah. and that was only a thirty minute Iron Man match, and that was Bryce Harrison and Jack Manley that came across awesome, you know, and it led to the creation of the following with uh, Jacob Austin Young turning on Jack manley and since then, we've never felt that there was anything out there that would fit perfectly in the concept of an Iron Man match. Because you also got to remember, you know, you're taking an hour out of a show. yeah, like, Like legit, hour and 10 minutes yeah. on a two-hour show devoted to just one thing. And, you know, a lot of times we talk about, you know, people watching things and their attention span and, you know, people tuning out. I'll be the first to admit, I, you know, I was out uh, Saturday. I forgot about day one. Uh, Mark, the guy I do the uh, radio show with on KDWN 720 every Sunday at 8 AM. He was talking about something about Ridge Holland uh, getting the cena nasal treatment. And then it was like, okay, well, I don't even know what he's talking about. So instead of continuing to do things, I came home, I turned on the Peacock thing, and then saw Brock Lesnar's now in the main event. And it was like, oh. So as I said on the radio show, not only did Roman Reigns work everybody with the leukemia, now he's working everybody with the covid That way Brock Lesnar could go over there and win the title. And it's like, does anybody think that out of nowhere they made Brock Lesnar become the Raw champion?
1: Yeah.
0: Like, as of three hours before, they changed all the potential storylines for WrestleMania. Yeah. And now it's going to be Reigns versus Lesnar, you know, unification title match at WrestleMania or Lashley and Lesnar. Well, if Lash if Lesnar's next feud or match was supposed to be with Lashley, well, how would it have gotten there if he just wrestled Roman Reigns? Yeah. On- oh. you-, you know what I mean? So a little fishy on-, on that part. But – Going back, it was like I was watching the match, and the Miz and Edge did absolutely nothing for me. So the heel gets no heat at the end. Beth Phoenix comes out. Well, Edge already beat Miz with Maurice helping. Why do you want to see Beth Phoenix and Edge beat Miz and Maurice? Right. Have had Maurice cost edge the match and let the Miz win which then brings out beth phoenix so didn't do much for him you know drew mcintyre wrestled basically a raw match that i would rather have seen on main event against a guy that has again a horrendous gimmick and nobody cares so if drew lost it would have buried him and with drew winning nobody cares yeah, And then they put the beat down up. And that, that just shows you he's going to be out of action because of a neck injury, but they think so lowly of the other guys yeah. that they still had Drew win and did an angle later to write him off. That way, when he comes back, he can beat them both in a handicap. Yeah.
1: And,
0: and then, you know, women's match didn't do that much for me. I wasn't sitting here enthralled so I don't know if I've become jaded because I have my own product and I I have my guys in positions to what I'm looking to see. So to me, it's more interesting. Right. But there's nothing interesting about Miz and Edge, and I love the Miz, but he's been booked so poorly. Yeah. Why? Why? What? What do we do to 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 change that? Well you have him beat Edge. But Edge has come back, and he really doesn't win any matches anyway. So he's got to win this match. Now bring back Beth Phoenix, which I knew the writing was on the wall once he was been back off the commentating on NXT. Right. I knew him was up there. So
1: Yeah, no, that's that's all valid points. Um, <laughs> I think that, too, when you look at you know kind of the situation that uh, you're in for – the 14th with Toa not being able to do it. Um, it seems like when this whole debacle of, you know, people apparently testing positive for COVID and then apparently now the company not wanting people to test for COVID <laughs> because it messed up their whole show. um, it, It's interesting to see what can be done and I think that that's some of the reason that the entry gets lost. And the other reason is crash booking that, you know, I, that whole setup with Miz and Maurice and the the ceremony wasn't necessary. <laughs> you know, it's like... did And again, it, but we, we've seen it a million times. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly.
0: Oh, I, I, I loved Edge and Gangrel and Christian in The Brood. You know, you want to repash the music and bring it back, awesome. But like, you know, the red light and the and and the and the, the stuff from the ceiling. Haven't we seen that twenty times? Yeah, in years ago. Like, what are we doing progressively now to enhance things? You know, a lot of people seem to believe. Well, AEW did this great little promo battle with CM Punk and the, the, the established vet and the young gun MJF. Well, first off, Miz ain't the young gun anymore. Right, He's been on forever. You know, this isn't this dream match that people are like, oh, man, I, it's amazing how the Miz and Edge never wrestled. Well, nobody cared. It, it wasn't anything that mattered. You know, and, you know, it just boggles my mind. And week in, month out, year in, year out, you know, it's the same criticisms of the WWE, you know. The only thing I found entertaining was uh, RK Bro. You know, they're awesome together, yeah. you know. You know, watching Randy Orton and then Brock Lesnar, who now reminds me of Hammerstone, the way he looks. <laughs> You know, I got to say, I'm looking, I'm like, wow, he he looks like Hammerstone. It's funny because you hear, you know, Brock is really a douchebag, you know. You know, he's not a guy who's very friendly, doesn't like people. And his smugness of smiling and like he's having a good time. You just know inside he's like, I hate these motherfuckers. But he does it in such an engaging way that I enjoy yeah. Brock Lesnar as the babyface and regardless of what anybody says people popped huge when he came out they popped huge when he won you know I think more of the problems with Brock Lesnar is that people are mad because he's not there enough right and, and you 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 want to engage in Brock Lesnar but now it's like okay he won the title and then all of a sudden, he's not on TV for three months. Well, now he's back on Monday Night Raw tonight. And as much as I like Big E and people are like, oh, what a failure. It was like I saw somebody post like seven matches Big E had and like he lost every one of them yeah. as the champion. Yeah. You know, lost to Reigns in a non-title match title versus title. So that didn't help him. You know, he lost in a contenders match. somebody to get a title and he lost with Owens and he's he's like lost all these matches which is the WWE policy usually for like the US title the tag team title the intercontinental title right and me earning my way by beating a bunch of guys and becoming the number one contender I wrestle you in a non-title match and win and then have a title match and then I lose but then I beat you up after the match, so then I get another title match, even though I lost clean, and then I lose again. And then we finally move on, or in some cases, we don't move on, and then somehow we have another match. You know, it's just episodic, show to show to show, but it's episodic without a beginning, middle, and end. Right. And, you know, we've moved on, beginning, middle, end, Matt Vandergrift, Damian Drake. Now it's time for them to sow their oats and do other things. There's so many talented guys, you know, to go there. You know, Remy Marcel wins the Nevada State title. Gregory Sharp, he loses. He turns from hyperstreak into this killer who, you know, we had bandied about Killstreak as that character. I still love the idea. I love the name. But Gregory Sharp is putting in some tremendous, tremendous work. You know, it's amazing that even against a guy like Midas Creed, you could you could just see him channeling the anger that he probably has toward Remy Marcel on anybody that is in the ring with him. Yeah. Yeah. You know his viciousness is almost makes me chuckle. Like I watch the Met and it's just like this dude's legitimately going to beat the shit out of somebody. And you believe what an asshole he is, which is Remy Marcel's fault.
1: Well, you know, and, and bringing up that match, which I found very, uh, just very entertaining, good good positioning, um, good story, very quick in terms of the overall time. Uh, but what I loved <gasps> was the fact that you used a guy like Midas Creed, who you, <laughs> you found the contrast of, happy and angry going against each other and it it worked <laughs> cuz you're right i mean sharp is now a monster and damn it's it's real that's the thing that i love to see is when you're able to find guys who find that real thread in their life that they can bring to it and then just amp it up a little bit and his the chip on the shoulder is working. Um, And I, I don't see how. Because you... it's
0: legitimate.
1: Yeah. It's legit. You know what I mean? Yeah. He feels the anger.
0: I told you when I walked into the Smiths and he walked right past me. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? I've treated him extremely well. But he was bitter. Yeah. And he was a guy who felt he did everything he could for FSW. And then all of a sudden there was different flavors of the month that we're getting these great opportunities and being champions and he wasn't getting that opportunity and say what you will. I'm going to take credit on that one because as good as he may have been, he's never been this good. Yeah. The crowd wants to hate this motherfucker. Like they legitimately don't like him. And, you know, I was in the office yesterday, I was talking with Brett the Threat, you know, about being the douchebag that he is. But as we talked, you know, I tried to explain to him the value of getting heat and things like that, but you can't be stupid. You know, it's kind of like with the Suavecitos and I, I joke about them all the time, but, you know, they're young and they're dumb and, you know, you're not a rookie no more. Stop making rookie mistakes. Grow up. You want to do this, you, be, you need to be a professional. Yeah. And you know, when you look at the FSW roster, you know you got class, you got Sharp, you got Brett the Threat, you got Ice Williams in the faction. Other than that, as as heels, we are very heel light. As I like to say, we got a lot of baby faces, you know, a guy like Eli Everfly, you position as a heel, but the guy does such (laughs) tremendous cool shit. Yeah. What does he do that makes you not like him other than wrestling a baby face you might like? Right. So it's not yay for him and boo for you. It's more like I love him, but I kind of like you too. You you know what I mean? So when Jay Vidal wrestles and Eli Everfly, people are going to respond because they're going to see really cool shit. Like, as much as they hated Vandegrift with Damian Drake, when all of a sudden he pulls out this super cool combination, you know, the fans still show that respect. Yeah. and, And still put those hands together, you know. And, you know, let me say a Suavecitos and Adrian Quest. They're another. But other than that, you know, Ricky's a guy who was most hated last year, but because he's become entertaining, he's a guy you love to hate. Yeah. You know, well, being a heel, you want to hate to hate. You know, they don't like class. Class feels he is a step or three steps better than everybody else, you know, and he lets you know it. So there's no appealing quality about him that makes you want to say, "Oh yeah, I, I kind of like him though." Right. You know. And and that's what the key is moving forward in, you know, 2022, whether it's a Danny Limelight or somebody that can attract that heel heat and is looking to, you know, be bad. Yeah. And not looking not looking to sell that extra t-shirt and, you know, after the show schmoozing and you know, making a Facebook post about how it was great seeing grandma and we had a wonderful time at the New Year's party with all my nieces and nephews and I bought them a whole bunch of presents because I'm a really nice guy (laughs) except when I wrestle, I'm a douchebag.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a great point. That's a very good point. And I think that's something that, uh, you know, it's funny you said you're talking to Brett The Threat about it and I think that, That's the one guy that comes to mind in terms of he's so absorbing of the idea of sticking with it and feeding into that character um, that it, it bleeds over into his social media. And I think that's something that, you know, Jordan Grace, I think it was last year, you know, had a big controversy because she was basically saying, well you know, the, the character is one thing, but I'm this person, and this is my social media. It's me. And sometimes, yeah, that, I mean, it makes sense, but at the same time, it doesn't make sense, because I think you need to, in this day and age, really keep people engaged in the, um, the image, that, that idea, because the more you can sell that, I think that eventually what happens is that you get so hated that all of a sudden that hate becomes the popularity but it takes such a long time to get to get to that point um that you get such a good heel run you know you look at something it's about 3 years that you can get you know build that to to be a top heel and when you hit that mark a lot of times you're going to have to then kind of start backing off a little bit now becoming a face is that something that's you know beneficial for the guys to experiment with while they're in the um the independence and they get these opportunities um you know to to be with a local company and learn how to kind of navigate that water all-encompassing between social media between the storylines between their own attitudes and discovering who they are as people. Is that something that's just such an important factor for you guys?
0: Well, it's a a huge factor because a lot of companies that these kids wrestle for, they're just brought in to wrestle a match. And it's like, okay, well you're the heel and you're the face and you're the face and you're the heel. Well, it's easy to say. It's kind of like, giving somebody a name well you know back when we first started uh an au ran and we used a couple of the guys and cody was one of them and he was you know whatever he was a junk bond trader you know whatever he was nick the tucker trucker nick the Truck tucker and it was like the guys wearing like you know leather pants coming out to pantera and i'm like well why are you nick the tr- trucker tucker like why are you wearing a plaid shirt and you know a, a you know a baseball cap you know blue jeans right. whatever well you know that was uh, with the, the the guy who ran the company he gave me the name and it's like well there's a difference between giving you a name and taking the character right you made the character so you just had a name that meant absolutely nothing. So, you know, initially the Suavecitos weren't the Suavecitos when they first came out. You know, we got that name. It kind of fit. It kind of meshed, you know, whatever. You got to find yourself. And when we put stuff together, in the beginning, sure, they're they're working random matches just to get on there. But as we tried to build them up, We're trying to get them to, you know, experiment and come up with ideas for characters like Sugar Brown initially was, as I like to say, MVP light, you know, he was Tommy danger and he would throw a football to himself. And that was the extent of his character until me, Remy, and Sugar Brown kind of bandied about the idea. They had the idea of the amateur boxer. I had the idea of, oh, ex-Golden Gloves champion and this, that, and the other thing. And anybody who watches Sugar Brown automatically believes he does have an amateur boxing background. He comes in, bobbing and weaving. You know, it looks like he knows what he's doing yeah. because he made that character himself. And he became an extension of that character. And all of that takes time. You know, all these guys think they should be champion. They're all ready, except three years after the fact, when they are a champion, realize that they were nowhere near ready. Right. When they thought they were. And they have to grow into themselves and they have to get better. And just because you're a rookie and you have a great match – doesn't mean that the next time out you're not going to have a shit fest you know the best of them have shit fests yeah. you know but if you guys have one big match they, they they think they're you know they're the next john cena you know and it takes a lot of those matches yeah. where you you know see things yeah you know we saw immediately chris bay yeah this guy's gonna be really good but chris bay didn't walk in and five months later he was our champion it right. took him time. It took him walking in and getting a match with Funny Bone and getting obliterated in, like, 45 seconds. I don't even know if it was a match. I don't know if he just came out, but I just remember he beat the fuck out of Chris Bay. That was Chris Bay's welcome welcome to professional wrestling, kid. Yeah. You know? But then, on the other hand, you got a guy like Kevin Cross, who you look at him, what are you going to do? Have him get beat up by Kid Vegas? You know what I mean? And then build him up to be a superstar. No, I brought him in slow. Hey, I'm going to make him a star. We see all the potential in the world. He's going to come out as my assistant yeah. and, and we're going to run with him and he's going to be protected and he's going to get in matches where he's going to kind of dominate and not have to sell. I got sick. He stepped in and did his own promos and we're like, well, there you go. Good working with you. And you know, he was a very, very rare breed, yeah. you know, it's a combination of size, ability, promo skills, was much more important for the development of Kevin Cross than it was his wrestling ability. Right, Because he's a guy who had a jujitsu background, he knew how to fight, so he knew what he needed to do. But being protected... It gave him the time to learn and get better while he was already becoming a star. Usually we need we need these young... You know, Ice Williams need to have matches and matches and matches. And it's like, okay, now's the time to pull the trigger. Right. Damien, now's the time. Matt Vandegrift, now's the time. And Jay Vidal, you know, he started off, he was that Jaden or Riddle or whatever the fuck it was. Terrible EDM gimmick. And... I remember he wrestled. It might have been Douglas James at beers and body slams. Like, holy shit, this motherfucker's good. But he had no character, no nothing. Pandemic hit. Went back to Florida. Came back, and now look at him. Yeah, you know. Yeah, he's a star. And but it took that time. It took that year plus for him to do stuff, you know. Right.
1: Yeah, and and it also goes to show too. I think that um you know, all the guys that you just mentioned, one of the things that I think is unbelievably imperative and can tell why these guys are going to continue to be successful and that is every single one of those guys has transformed their bodies From kids who were learning wrestling to becoming professional wrestlers. All of them now are starting to look like real grown-ass men who are, you know, who could beat the shit out of you. And I think that that sometimes gets lost in, you know, in a lot of that um, ideas that, yeah, you can do cool moves and stuff, but... Do I believe that you're a professional wrestler? Um, again, the uh, the airport test, you know, I think if Jay Vidal walks through the airport now, people start turning heads, going, Wait, who the hell is that guy? I, sh- I should know this. And, guy. and Jay, Vi-
0: Jay Vidal is
1: not large in frame, right.
0: But his arms are humongous, yes. You know, how this guy works out, what is it to be? Who knows? You know what I mean, yeah, but you know couple of guys I saw, like Nino Black, his arms are humongous. Yeah. You know, from,
1: you know, he was always a little chunky. He's gotten himself in really good shape. Shogun. Holy crap. Shogun's transformation from, you know, being a, a, a bigger frame to now just, it's like, holy shit. It, I mean, it. it's really impressive that these guys who we constantly talk about one of the main factors has been feeding into it is that they've really grown into those bodies. I mean, Hammerstone's one of the best examples. You look at him, it's it's unbelievable when he posts pictures from, you know, five, six years ago compared to now. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, no doubt about it. You know, it's funny. We always talked about Hammerstone. Oh, yeah, he's in really good shape. It was like with Brian Cage. It's like... You look at them now compared
1: to what they were and it's totally a different story. Yeah. You know. Um, As we uh, wrap up here, um, we're heading into, of course, the new year. Is um, the January 14th show, is that starting to shape up in your mind? Is there, uh, obviously now you're looking for uh, a replacement to, to face Hammerstone. But Outside of that match, do you have any other ideas what's going into that card, which is coming up fairly soon?
0: Well, yeah, you know, uh, we plan on Remy Marcel being there to defend the Nevada State title. Uh, Shogun and Hero, Cody, you know, Jay Vidal will be there. Damian Drake will be there. You know, the question is, who is Jay Vidal's first title defense going to be against? You know? A match I wanted to do in the Limitless tournament was J-A-I versus J-A-Y. So, you know, that could be the match for Jay Vidal. You know, another option that I'm putting together in my mind is a four-way number one contenders match for the No Limits title where you guys got, you know, there's guys like Damian Drake that should be involved in that. You know, Jacob Boston-Young you know, guys who got to the, you know, the finals, the Jack Cartwheel, you know, whatever it is to put those four guys together. And then, you know, it's possible at the Mecca, you know, Jay Vidal defends, you know, against one of them, you know. But, again, it's still putting stuff together to see, you know, what the best options are. Yeah. You know, we're going to have a lot of our main guys there, that's for sure. And over the next couple days, it's going to – You know, it's putting those pieces to the puzzle. You know, it's like, you know, Graves will be there. You know, but again, as I said, we're 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 heel light, right? So, you know, it's talking to certain people and seeing who might be available and who we can incorporate into the show. Uh, Gregory Sharp will be there. You know, What, what what's his direction because of what happened at you know the new year's Eve show that now there's new things happening. The last we saw Remy Marcel, he won the title and he wasn't on the new year's show. So now where's his direction? Where's Gregory Sharp's direction? Where's Damien Drake go after he defeated Jay Vidal? I mean, after he defeated Vandegrift, where does Dow go now that he's the no limits champion? Well, what about ice Williams who just lost the no limits championship? Where's he going? All those feuds have come to an end and now it's time to start you know resetting things you know is Ice Williams go back after Jay Vidal or does Ice Williams have bigger fish to fry does he maybe go after a guy like Hammerstone or Remy Marcel and reignite uh, a feud that those guys have had
1: right Yeah it's it's definitely uh, it's it's exciting to have a uh, clean slate going into new year like this and and shows how important it is to you when you do storylines that you have that time frame and then you wrap them up so that you can move on to something new and i think that that's what we're going to be seeing in 2022 um any final words for everyone out there uh, joe
0: Uh, you know, we got a lot of big things planned, you know, this COVID thing is going crazy now, but it's also reminding me more and more of the flu. Well, if you're vaccinated, you know, it's extremely light. It's extremely light. Well, then let's keep things going. You know, there's only so much you can do. If you're not going to shut the world down again, then let us live. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, if, if, if you feel any issues that you're concerned with, then you stay home. Yeah. You choose not to do something, you know, but don't stop me from doing it. Don't stop the people who want to do stuff from doing it. Because again, I'll walk into a casino and everybody's masked are down because they're drinking or smoking. So what benefit is me wearing the mask? Yeah. You know, guess what? We're wearing it. A- More people are vaccinated and everybody wears a mask, yet we have more cases than we ever did. So guess what? It's an airborne virus. People are going to get it. And unfortunately, some people react to it very badly, just like in a lot of things in life and a lot of issues that people have. They react to it differently. You know, people who have diabetes, some people lose their legs, lose their, lose limbs. And then there's people who take their medication and they somehow keep it in check. And, you know, we're going to stop selling sugar. We're going to stop smoking cigarettes. You know, there's so many things in the world that aren't great for you, but people are going to choose to do them. You know, I wish I wasn't a gambler and went out yesterday. You know what I mean? It was like, you know, maybe last week I would have been happy that I went out, but I should have stayed home after I dropped the wife off yesterday.
1: <laughs> oh man, that's that is probably the truest statement that you've ever made. <laughs> Cause it's, it's But but I did get back to some online poker
0: this weekend. Oh wow, nice. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't played in in a long time and I came in 14th in the first tournament I played back. I did really well and I got bad beated on the end. So I I can't complain.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's nice that you haven't uh, mentioned online poker for a while. So yeah, yeah, it was
0: it was more the video poker at the uh, casinos where I, you know. I had a good
1: run. <laughs> Not so good lately. <laughs> I hate when that happens. You know, you, that the highs are great, the lows yeah. suck. So We need
0: all that sponsor money coming in so I can, you know, afford to go back out again tomorrow.
1: Well, uh, fans, if you want to uh, donate to the Joe DeFalco gambling fund. They can um, invest. They can invest for a percentage of my winning. <laughs> uh reach out to uh, fsw and uh joe will hook you up with the percentage certificate of uh that's right 1-800 joe wins baby <laughs> <laughs> uh with that everyone thank you for tuning in remember uh, to check out the fsw network 6.99 a month and uh you can go back watch the new year's show and see the upcoming uh, high octane on january 14th as well and uh tune into the vegas bad boys of podcasting as well And thank you guys so much, and we'll see you guys next time.